Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Lazaga. And I'm Dubside. And you're listening to the Dubcast with Dubside. Now, Dubside, since we were talking about kids and kayaking recently, in the context of Brian Schultz's project to send school kids from that remote village in East Greenland to the Greenland Games, yeah, that got me thinking about uh, kids in kayaks. You know, children paddling their own kayaks is not something that you typically see at your standard sea kayaking symposium. True. And it seems to be something that's unique to Greenland-style events. The reason why, of course, is because you can make a child-sized Greenland kayak and you can custom build everything to a child's size, such as the paddle and the spray skirt and paddling clothing. Um, mm-hmm. This can be done in a very cost-effective way. Yeah. Any thoughts about kids and uh, kayaks? Well, I think we, we from the what we do in the U.S. here with the kids, we sort of model it after Greenland because in Greenland, there's only Greenland type of kayaking to do, and kids, they want to get into that. They do that naturally, and, they, and they're building things anyway in Greenland, so they they can build kid-sized kayaks and kid-sized paddles and kid-sized dewy beaks and everything. It's not as common here, so at some of the events, we've, we've tried to encourage that more to get more kids involved. How do you teach kids kayaking, and is that approach different than uh, teaching adults? Well, what yeah, do, I, I, haven't, I haven't done a tremendous amount of teaching kids how to roll but i've done a little bit of things with kids programs at, at kayak academy there in seattle they have barb who, who runs that with george they did a kids program various versions of a kid program for several years going on and so sometimes i would be there for you know i would stay there while i was in seattle and they would one you know each day different things going on so they said oh you know tomorrow we've got the kids program doug so you want to come help out with that so i would go and and, and be, be there with the kids and it's you know it's different you have to Stay ahead of them mentally, or they'll pull all sorts of little tricks and stunts on you. Oh yeah, <laughs> and 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 there's sometimes like I remember one time we went there, and she said, "This is guy, this dub side, and he can do rolling." And watch, you want to demonstrate some rolling? So I I showed him some rolling, and they they looked and watched, and they, you know, like, I guess they were impressed to, to do it that I was doing it. And then she said, "You know, people, we will you can teach some of them if they want to learn how to roll." So I I worked with some of them and they, you know, they would various degrees, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a different kind of thing, but, but I remember this, this one kid and I said, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's see if you can get, get this role working. Now you want to come over here? And he goes, no, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, what? I like it threw me off, you know, because normally with adults, you know, they, they're paying me money, please, you know, try to get me to do this but with kids. You know, if, if somebody else said, here, you can you know, learn how to roll, go work with this guy, that doesn't mean they want to. And it's a whole, I'm not used to people who just don't want to do that, you know. And I remember there was one kid, and then we, I, I realized that the kids are being brought to this 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 daily kayak thing. It was like a week-long thing Barb had with the same group of kids. It, it, it was, it's babysitting, you know. Like, they just don't <laughs> want the kids around the house. And these kids, you know, they're not that interested in kayaking. I remember there was this one kid. He didn't want to get in the water, so he just sat on the land, you know, on the on the picnic table the whole time, you know, for like four or five hours. <laughs> and, and so, you know, people who aren't motivated to do something, or, or their only motivation is someone else has pushed them into it, a whole different 
way to, you know, deal with some, if you're trying to teach somebody anything, they don't really want to learn. Yeah. I would be concerned. I mean, from what Brian Schultz has said about traumatizing kids, Oh yeah, you know, and, 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 uh, having them had such a bad experience that they'll never want to touch a kayak again. Yeah. Well, well, that's where the, the instructor needs to work carefully. Like when I described how I work with Karen Marie in the water and if they're, if they're afraid, you got to be there to support them and never let them be underwater panicking. You know, if they're, you're, you, you keep pulling them up, you know, fast enough until they, you know, until they, they know they expect that. And I remember I was one time, it wasn't a kid, it was an adult, uh, some, one of my times of instructing. And there's somebody, and she said, she, you know, this woman said, I'm, I've had a, I think that was the one where she had, a, she'd had a near drowning experience as a kid that she remembered. And that was really, it was traumatic. And so I, I worked with her slowly, slowly. And I had her, you know, going over and bringing her back up and bringing her over. And I think we, we might have gone up to the, the, the 180. I mean, the 360 all the way around. At some point, she said to me, can, can you, can you let me stay down there a little bit longer? Don't, don't, don't pull me up. And then, then she realized what she had just said. <laughs> she goes, Whoa, I'm not afraid to be underwater <laughs> there. And that was quite a revelation. So, so, you know, with kids, you, you, you know, you don't want them to be underwater panicking because that, that, that imprints on, on your mind, the bad, bad things. So you, you stay hands on and, and bring them right up. So they they never get half the struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, kids, as far as like they're all kids are super flexible, you know, they, 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 they're like gumbies compared to adults. So you don't have too many problems if you got them in gear that fits properly. You know, they can they can do layback and twist and turn. And they, you know, that that's not their biggest obstacle as it is on some adults. So. Have you seen kids rolling? I mean, how, how young are the youngest kids that have you seen rolling either in the United States oh, or in Greenland? Let me think. I don't I, like like. Pre-teenager, I don't know if I've seen any. Maybe like a ten or eleven-year-old, maybe once. Okay. Like so, so for many years in Greenland, the, the, the younger kids didn't roll, but then there was some. They, they, that, that new club had really worked with some of the guys, and they had some. So they were starting a lot sooner with the kids rolling. I think because they have a pool, a swimming indoor swimming pool in nuke, uh-huh. so they can do have that advantage. <laughs> But I, but in this country, yeah, at the sticks event, they would get kids, they'd get, get them comfortable in the water, and they'd touch them and start trying like a balance race and stuff with the, with the kayaks that fit them, small kayaks. And they were, you know, probably 10, 11 mm-hmm. year old kids. Yeah, I've seen them practicing uh, balance braces too, and it's pretty impressive. It's a great demonstration of the power of Greenland techniques. You know, it's, it's so easy, even a kid can do it. Well, on that note, let's proceed to episode number 27. And this is uh, an episode I'm sure nobody is going to want to miss. This is the episode that you've all been waiting for, where Dubside finally reveals the secret to becoming an expert kayak roller. Yes, indeed. Well, here it is. Welcome to the Dubcast with Dubside. This is Dubcast number 27. And I'm going to give you the secret of being a expert at rolling a kayak. And that secret in one word, I'll tell you right now, is 
yoga. That's right, yoga. That is how you become an expert kayak roller. Music this week from another fine Greenlandic female vocalist. Her name is Tuparnok. And unlike Nina or Julie or Stine or Rina or Marina or Katsi, Tuparnok is a real Greenlandic name. Tuparnok. Yeah. Have you ever known anybody who gets up in the morning and the first thing they do is they go outside and run? And it may be not a, not a marathon, but, you know, a good distance. Well, when I was much younger, probably in my 20s, I, I, there were some people I knew who, at least they said they did this, and I thought that was, you know, a good good thing to do to stay healthy you know, for fitness you, you go up and get up in the morning and go running so I started to do that and it lasted about about a week and a half <laughs> and then I think I, I got a I was feeling sick or had a cold or something like that so I stopped doing it and didn't start again and maybe I don't know a year later I was going to go back I said yeah I got to start running again So I tried it, and it lasted maybe, you know, less than a week. It just just didn't didn't solidify, didn't take, didn't become an actual habit. Well, the next thing I tried was yoga, and I found some community classes being offered somewhere and uh, went to that. There was, I don't know, a six-week session or something like that, once a week. And I got familiar with, you know, basic yoga idea, you've got the downward dog thing going on, sun salutations and stuff like that. It was all right. Uh, but after this six week was, was up, I did not uh, continue. It just uh, just didn't, uh, didn't feel, wasn't feeling it. And some years went by. I was still riding a bike all over the place, so I was getting exercise from that, but not, not a really intense workout through all the various muscles in the body. And then at some point later, this is 1998, as I may have mentioned in the past, I bought a, a kayak, a folding kayak, and took up kayaking. And it wasn't until 2001 when I went to the, uh, the Kayak USA event called the Delmarva Paddlers Retreat, held early October in Delaware every year. It was at that event that they did yoga in the early morning. And being an early morning person, I got up and went to the yoga. And the guy there at the time, I haven't seen him in years, but a guy named Dan Smith was leading the yoga. And the two biggest things I remember him saying was that one is that yoga encompasses a very large body of knowledge and philosophy and various things. And the yoga postures are one little small percentage of that. But you don't have to embrace the entire thing to get plenty of benefit of just doing the postures. And the other thing he said, which made a big impression on me, was at the end of the session, the one where you lie on the floor called Shavasana, and you finish from that, and he said, all the good in me recognizes all the good in you. And that is conveyed using the Sanskrit word, Namaste. 
And I thought that was a profound sentiment. All the good in me recognizes all the good in you. We're all composed of some good and not some good and some bad components. And so for to acknowledge that I, the, the, the good things that I do have in me will deal with those, and the good things you have in you, I'm going to recognize those and acknowledge those and honor those. And if we all just emphasize the positive, that would be a, a good world. So somehow that impressed upon me that yoga was good for kayaking. And once I knew that, once I had that thought in mind, I'm like, okay, I am all about yoga. And I went back to some of the, the places I'd heard about before that offered yoga in Philadelphia on a regular basis. Signed up there, and I was doing yoga almost as fanatically as I was doing rolling. While I learned the rolls, I was learning the yoga. Well, back in those days, I think I had the one roll working when I first went to Delmarva, a couple rolls, but I couldn't quite get the balance brace where you lay into the side, lay on your back in the water, float out to the side. And I, I did finally get it, start to get it using other kayaks. I got in one of those Nigel Dennis Romanis, which rolls quite nicely, but I couldn't get it in my Feathercraft K-Lite until I started to modify that kayak and chop down the back rib, made a new rib for it so it would be lower in the back, and then I started to be able to do more rolls. And I, I got the balance brace working then. Um, and so, about two years later, I, I could look at this up in my logbook, but suffice it to say, two years later, um, after two years of regular yoga, um, doing getting really into yoga, um, I, without really knowing how much my, my how much more flexibility I might have gained, I got the idea to put the kayak together in its original stock configuration. That's with the high back rib and the back uh, seat back that sticks up above the deck. And I put it together that way. It makes it much harder to, to roll if you're going to do layback rolls. And I tried to do the balance brace that way, and I could. And that's what two years of yoga did. It gave my, my, I could t tilt my back, arch my back, over that deck that much easier after gaining the flexibility from yoga. And so in, in my first rolling video, I say, and you can quote me on this, you cannot go wrong taking up yoga to be a better paddler. So you can apply that to paddling in general, not just rolling a kayak. And when I first met Sherry Perry, I discovered that she is a big proponent of yoga. And when I met Helen Wilson, she was very enthusiastic about yoga as well. And it uh, figures. Well, both Sherry and Helen pursued their yoga passion further by getting instructor certification. And that's, I think that involves like, you know, 100, 200 hours of instruction. And um, so I, I looked at that, you know, because I seemed interesting to me. But in my traveling, I, I was never somewhere in one place long enough to go through a whole, the whole program, whether they did the 
intense, what, two or three month version or the extended, you know, weekends for half a year or something like that. But it did, it just didn't quite work out. And, and the, the cost was somewhat of a concern. It's a couple thousand dollars. Um, but, but both Sherry and Helen did that. And so then they would, they would, you know, lead classes and, um, at, at these kayak events. Um, but I, I, I looked into, you know, what, if, if you wanted to pursue that as a, as an occupation, you know, what, what a typical yoga instructor gets paid, you know, it's your entry level jobs are, you know, teaching at gyms and stuff. And it's going to take you a long time to recoup your investment of a couple thousand certifications. So I, I, I laid off on that. Didn't, didn't go that route. But uh, some years later, I was, uh, the first time was at an event in Finland, a kayak symposium there that had me, me as one of the guest instructors. And there were people at the, it's, it's a weekend thing in uh, just a drive from Helsinki. And there was a demand for yoga at this event. It was, you know, maybe 100 people, that, that kind of thing. They camp out, camped out in this area on the coast, coastal shoreline. Um, and so they, at some point, they, somebody, you know, knew that I was into yoga. So they, they, they the organizers said, you know, Dubside, could you lead the yoga in the, in the morning, in the next you know, two mornings, Friday and Saturday or Saturday, Sunday? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not certified. You know, I can't, I don't, I don't have the training in, in that. Yeah, I mean, I, and they said, we don't care. <laughs> you, can, can you do that? I said, all right, if you don't care, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. So I, I, I led the yoga for those two days in the morning, and, and people seemed to enjoy it. You know, there weren't any, no major disaster. Um, and so at the end, when we settled up, uh, they were they were work, working out the payment. And I said, you know, I, I did I did teach those yoga classes, which meant I had to get up early and do some mental preparation. You, you know, if you could uh, hook me up for that. And they they thought about it. They said, oh, yeah, okay. And so they added some amount of, I guess, in euros is what they pay in uh, in Finland. And I got paid teaching yoga, even though I wasn't certified, and they didn't even mind that I was was not certified. And since that time, I have gone to all the events I usually go to in the U.S., and if there's no certified instructors around, they will ask me to teach the yoga, and I make sure they know that I'm not certified, and they say, it doesn't worry, it doesn't matter. So I'll lead the yoga, and people, people I've at least have seemed to have so to, uh, appreciate what I do and uh, sometimes I've had people come to me at these things and they'll say you know I've got this pain in the shoulder here and they're asking for you know what about it? and I said look I have no no expertise in that level I, whatever I told you would just make it worse I I have no <laughs> no standing to give you input on your own personal injury or hurt pain situation so don't even ask please and when I'm traveling, I'll usually find a, a yoga studio or, or somewhere where they're doing yoga and just go in and, and it's, it's, you get a, a very wide range of experiences. I can think of think of places like I was in Denmark somewhere and the, the guy just looked online and said, yeah, oh, just down the, down the street here, there's yoga. I went down there and I, I go in and there's this woman and she's, there was maybe like six or seven people, you know, it was a big, great big room, you know, mostly empty. And she's got these notes next to her on the piece of paper on the floor. And she's looking down. She goes, okay, now we're going to do um, 
Downward Dog. And now we're, and I said, oh, what, did she just get certified yesterday? All right. All right. <laughs> and I've been to other places where it's like the room is packed, you know, 35, 40 people all stuffed into this room. And the instructor, I mean, you know something's going on when they've got the room that full. And the instructor's just really fit and really dynamic, just great, you know, presentation and everything. And that's, that's some happening yoga. And there's a group energy when you get a lot of people all doing yoga together. And I've seen it, the, the, the most I've ever seen that, that effect happening is in Miami, a couple of years back when I was there, they have, you know, the weather in Miami's warm just about all the time. So they, year-round, I, I believe, they have right downtown, there's an there's a outdoor park area there, and they have free yoga I think it's maybe two or three times a week. There's a sort of a stage platform that's used for other things, but that's where they do the yoga. And so the stage, you know, it's a large platform, is covered with people with their mats. And even out past the stage, people back there. And there are maybe a hundred people all doing yoga together. And it is so empowering. You know, we, we're here in this park and we do we are doing yoga, you know. And you you go out to a park by yourself and you do yoga and people can look at you funny and you just have to sort of assert yourself. But with a hundred people, boy, you are you are you are there. A <laughs> hundred people doing anything together is a force to be reckoned with. I've been to places where they have that hot yoga, which is uh, the first time I did that. I think I had the the guest membership. Um, you get like what two weeks for twenty bucks or something like that. And I think I went there. Maybe it was a month. I think, I think, as I recall, I went there 18 days straight, every day, doing hot yoga. And it took me a couple days to get get a hang of it. You know, not not to stand right under the, the radiant heater up on the up on the wall. That's the hotter hotter than usual spot. And you do have to wash your clothes each time because otherwise you go in there from the day before and people start staying, saying it's it's a funny smell in there. But the best time. My favorite part of hot yoga is when you finish and you walk out the door at the end and that cool air hits you. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. And there is a big innovation in kayaking, combining kayaking with yoga, which involves the stand-up paddle boards, which aren't quite kayaks, but they're, they're something that floats on the water. And so the sup yoga... Um, you do the yoga postures on this board floating in water. So the balanced ones are much more challenging. But the, uh, the shavasana at the end is very peaceful because you just feel the water, you know, the ripples and the waves back and forth, and it's very relaxing. Um, now, there's a, there's a posture. I, I had to learn some of these Sanskrit names. It's just having, having working hard enough learning the Greenlandic names of things. I, for years, I never learned any of the, the, the yoga names, but I, I made an effort after a while. So it's, it's called um, sursasana. And that in English, we would say the headstand. And that, that's, that's not a beginner posture, you know. So you, you've sort of put your elbows down and you, and you put your head at the back of your head, top, sort of the top of your head is, on, is taking the weight along with your, your elbows, and then you're sort of in that little tripod formation, and you get your both legs straight up into the air. And I, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, yoga in gyms, 
a, a gym that'll have yoga classes because, well, it's a lot cheaper. But, but the gym yoga, it tends to be, well, gym yoga, you know, it's not, not nearly as intense or detailed as the real yoga, studio yoga, but it's, it's a lot cheaper. You know, the gym membership includes the, the yoga classes, so you can go to, go to those. And I've, I was in, involved in those a lot from, for a long time just because it's the, the cheapest way to go. Um, but they didn't, they generally never did the, uh, any headstands in that one in gym yoga. And I, I imagine, maybe they used to, but it was probably one of those, you know, insurance situations. Somebody somewhere, some place in the country, some instructor had the, the students doing headstand. You know, you, usually you start with it doing it against a wall, so you have the wall to support you, but maybe they were doing it just out in the open. And somebody, somebody fell over, and it was like, you know, bowling pins knocked out the whole front row, <laughs> one after the other. Yeah, I don't know if people got hurt. But so, so then they, you know, I'm sure the word went out, okay, no more headstands. Insurance doesn't cover it. And so they just, they never did headstands anymore. So now if you want to work on a real headstand, you have to go to a yoga studio. The, the shoulder stand is the easier version where you just sort of on the back of your shoulders. But the headstand is, I, I like the headstand. So they, it's a very, very impressive to do headstands on a paddleboard, on a stand-up paddleboard. And um, I am going to tell you a secret, a tip from Dubside. Now, of course, we have to preface this by saying that um, disclaimer here, you know, anything you're trying, you're on your own. Don't blame me if you hurt yourself, if you are prone to uh, problems or injuries or things. You know better than that, so do not... Do not try this if you're cautious, if you're if you're worried about hurting yourself, and if you do hurt yourself, it is your responsibility. Don't sue me. You yourself bear all the liability. Okay, so to do a headstand on land, you know, you got your elbows on the floor and the back your head, the top of your head is on the floor, and the, your hands are cupping the, the back of your head, and you're reaching up, you know, straightening out your knees so you get your both your feet straight up in the air. Now, doing this on a stand-up paddleboard is much harder, apparently much harder, because you have, you know, the whole board is unstable. But I am going to give you the secret to make it. It's actually easier doing it this way than it is on land, and you can impress your friends. Well, to give you the background on this, in May of 2014 at Kayak Academy in Seattle... They had found a yoga instructor willing to do the SUP, stand-up paddleboard yoga, and they had started introductory classes. So I got in on the the first time they tried it, and they had this instructor who was incredibly flexible, and there were maybe nine or ten of us in the water on stand-up paddleboards, and we went through the basic down dog, etc. And then this instructor, she does headstand. And we were all looking at her and attempting, and, I, and I'm going for it. And I had holding that posture for maybe a quarter of a second before I had to let my legs down so I don't go splashing into the water. And she's just in front of us standing there like a statue, upside down with her feet straight up in the air like it's no problem. And I had my little waterproof camera. I was taking pictures of the when I wasn't doing the postures, pull out the camera, take some shots. So I had a shot of her doing the, the headstand. And the next year, in 2015, I was at the Charleston, South Carolina event, 
And in between teaching classes, I went out to try some of the things displayed there. And they had some stand-up paddle boards, and I've got no objections to stand-up paddle boards. So I, I was trying one. There's a guy I know there named Kit, who's a dealer for various kayaks. And Kit showed me a trick that uh, to use when you do a, 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 a headstand. And he said, yeah, I, I can't even do a headstand on land, but on the stand-up paddle board, he was doing it. And he, he showed me, and he's, 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 he's a fit guy, but he's no super athlete, but he's, he's knocking it out. And he showed me the secret. All you got to do is instead of cupping the back of your head with your hands, you reach your hands out to the side of the paddleboard and grip it with your thumbs on top and your fingers underneath. And that makes all the difference because on land... All you can do is push down with one hand or the other. You can't pull up with your hand. There's nothing to pull on. On a stand-up paddleboard, with fingers under the paddleboard, you can pull as well as push. And this gives you a tremendous advantage in control. And I was able to do it, just like the instructor in Seattle. And when I got home, I looked in my photo album and noticed, yes, that's what she was doing. She had her hands on the edge of the paddleboard. Well, the last time I did yoga in a yoga studio, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and this was March of, of 2020, I believe it was. And there's a big symposium called Canucopia that I was scheduled to go and teach. I think they were going to have me doing a rolling demonstration in the pool. I, I'd, done that, I'd done that way back in about 10 years before that. And it was all set, and we got there. And so, remember, this is 2020. I... I I think I got, I took a train to Madison from, from the D.C. area, and I got on the train, and after I was on the train, since I don't carry a cell phone, the, the word came back to the people I live with that uh, the event had been canceled because they had just put out the, Wisconsin had just declared, you know, no, no uh, gatherings of people over, you know, what, 10 or 20 people or something like that. So this, the whole, the organizers of that symposium had it all lined up, ready to go, had to cancel the whole thing. So I got to Madison, and there was the people I was staying with, they, they came there as well because they already paid for the place. And we just walked around Madison and looked at the town for a couple of days that weekend, but there was no symposium going on. And so I found, I was, the, the place I was staying was right around the corner from a yoga studio. So I, I went over there and I said, you know, could I sign up for one class? And they said, oh, okay, well, we have, I think they were doing, you, you have to wear a mask and they, they had taken all the props, you know, the, you have like blankets and, and foam blocks and straps. And they, they put those all away because they weren't going to share any gear. And I think you had to bring your own mat. Or, yes, I, I came up with a mat somewhere. And so, and so they, did, they did yoga. And it, was, it, was, it was okay, a decent class. You, know, you were supposed to stay you know, six feet apart on the yoga mats if they could fit that many people in the room. And the next day... I, you know, I had the whole weekend to, to, to be in, in, in Madison with nothing else to do. So I went back for the next morning for the class schedule then. And there was a big, oh, there was a sign on the, on the door that said, you know, that the instructor was, couldn't make it or I, maybe the instructor came down with COVID. I don't know. So, they, so the class was canceled. No class there. And I think the Sunday when I was leaving to take the train back, I went past the yoga studio and they had said, we are officially closed completely. You know, it was the onset of the COVID thing. And that was, yeah, that was what we were all going through back then. So it was just, just the, the very beginning of that, 
um, and maybe, maybe, but hopefully by now they've they've gotten back into doing things or you know, yoga online and those sorts of things. But that was uh, what happened to Madison that year. Well, I hope you are inspired to take up yoga or continue it if you haven't uh, taken it up already to be a better paddler or to be a more healthy person. Yoga is a great thing. Music this week comes from a woman named Tuparnak, Tuparnak Matiusen. And she is in the, the generation with uh, Julie and uh, Nina and those folks. So she's been around for quite some time. And she, she's featured on that uh, the CD I told you about uh, last time called uh, Zedna. And Tuparnak, she put out an album that I got uh, probably in 2006 or 2008, um, and it's called Ishlit, and this was on my on my hit list for a long time. She's got some really nice stuff on there. So the song I'm going to give you my version of, and it's called Ushlut Tamasa. Translates to Every Day. Pico 
Tamasa, originally done by Tuparnok from an album called Ishlit. And I think of Greenlandic music, as I've said once before, as divided into two periods. There is before Nanuk and after Nanuk. And this comes from the before Nanuk period. So the Elsner brothers weren't involved in this production because they were probably quite young at the time. But uh, Tuparnak does not write her material. This is all the songs done by... There's a production team in Greenland, and one of the main characters there, big, big, big name in Greenlandic music, Mick Christensen. He's a producer, arranger, engineer, and he's written these songs uh, along with somebody else. Most of the music is um, his responsibility. And there is one English song on this CD, sung in English, called Fly High, but... I don't think it's as good as the uh, Greenlandic songs. But you can decide for yourself by going to atlanticmusic.gl and picking up the CD yourself. It's called Islit by Tuparnak. And if you happen to get that Zedna CD I talked about in episode 26, that has two songs done on it by Tuparnak. And there's, there's also a, a CD that uh, this uh, producer, Mick Christensen, did with uh, Duparnak. Um, it's called Northern Light, which is all in English. But I don't think it's nearly as good as this one, Islit, or the stuff off of Zedna. Coming up in episode 28, while we're on the subject of fitness and health, um, maybe I'll talk about uh, injuries. Uh, that have occurred in my experience with kayaking, some to me, some to other people around me. I'll give you the story on that next week. Until then, this is Dubside saying Namaste. Namaste.